Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to Journey with Care, where we're unwrapping the true spirit of the season. Join us as we dive into some Christmas traditions we've embraced as Christians. So get out your candy canes, stockings, Christmas trees, carols. Ho, ho, hold on here. Let's back it up. Because beneath the tinsel and carols, there's a deeper story to be told. This Advent, we'll be daring to reassess our hallmark Christianity for a more honest yet hopeful look at Middle Eastern Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So get ready for an Advent journey that goes beyond the holiday glitz as we question, explore, and unravel truth. Because walking in light of that truth will ultimately make this season more meaningful to us. This is our Advent series, The Out of Sync Christmas. table in our cozy Shasta camper, we have with us our producer, Johan Heinrichs, and our peace-loving expert, uh, Kathy Boschman, here around this table. And I'm so excited to get into this heated conversation about peace. But before we dive into the conversation, let me tell you about this week's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by DG Inspired, your go-to creative powerhouse for elevating your ideas into stunning reality. Whether you're dreaming up a brand refresh an outstanding website, or eye-catching graphics, DG Inspired has got your back. Dorlin and her team have been creative geniuses behind Care Impact and can do the same for you. Head over to dginspired.com to bring your ideas to life. All right, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. We don't always have three people from the team in a conversation on this, but I'm really excited to dive right in. But before we do... Kathy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a Winnipegger from birth, and I have a husband and one son whom we adopted from Ethiopia. And uh, yeah, I've been part of the church community since I was 12, and I won't tell you how old I am now. We'll be at peace with that. But what's your relationship with peace growing up? You know, I think of peace in the home. My, my dad used to, when I used to ask my dad, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? Peace and quiet. That's all he wanted with a house full of kids. So peace probably was, in my childhood, was about being quiet, about being fitting into whatever was going on with the family and not stirring, ruffling anything up, just being present, but not necessarily making a big deal about who I am or my place in the family or, or stirring anything up or, or evoking emotion uh, within the family. And this summer, we had the privilege of having you on the podcast. We were working through the Enneagram series, and you are a harmonizer at Enneagram 9. So you naturally have a harmonizing presence about you. Everybody likes you in the room. What's that been like? I'm not sure if I've ever analyzed it. I mean, if that's because if that's who I am, I don't really notice it. But I, as you were saying that, I thought, I think I have a radar for tension, so in that space, then I would, if I walked into a place of tension, you know, whether it was in my family or school group or whatever, then it would be very easy to naturally, because that's who I am, just to try and ease that tension within, within that group. And Johan, what about you? What about me? <laughs> For you listeners who haven't listened to the episode I did with my parents, Fostering Healing and Love, I think it's called. Yeah, in uh, October. Yeah, go back to listen to that. In fact, you should press pause right now and do that before I continue speaking. 
Go ahead. <laughs> Awkward silence. Yeah, so if you go back to that episode, you would you would know that I lived in a bit of a chaotic household, not bad household. Uh, my parents were foster parents, and I've had over 50 siblings growing up. Not at the same time, thank goodness, because that would not be peaceful. But as one of their only two bio kids, I really did seek peace when there was a lot of chaos in the home with a lot of children that were coming in and out, sometimes some a lot longer than others. But I would I would seek that peace out. Sometimes things get escalated in the home when there's a lot of kids and sometimes there's yelling. I would be the one to shush and ah. it would drive people yelling crazy that I would do that. So maybe it's a little bit less peaceful to do that. But I know I needed just that calmness a little bit. I, I think of that Bible verse, let us reason together. I love that verse. I don't know. If, I don't even know if that might be at a context even. Maybe if we had more reasoning, we would have less unrest. Well, it's interesting. I was sharing with you earlier, but my dog can go into a room and feel unrest. He's very attuned when there's anxiety in the room, when there's unrest, there's underlying tensions. We don't even have to be raising our voice, but he knows when there's tension in the house. So interesting. <laughs> so you and my dog have that in common. You have to keep that in. <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to you, Wendy. What about you growing up? What was your relationship with peace in your household? Yeah, well, I was raised a Mennonite pacifist. I was raised to not seek war, to, to bring peace. But I also say I, I have an ancestry that was conflict avoidant. And so that wasn't necessarily peace. There's also a false sense of peace by avoiding conflict. And so... That's just the waters I swam in that, that I was raised in. But also, people will know me as a little spicy on this podcast. I'm an Enneagram 8, a challenger. And so I've had to come to grips with who I am in Christ. And that pursuit of justice and, and desire for, to make things right is, is very strong for me. So often I could be misunderstood as wanting to like dive into conflict when actually I love peace fiercely. I, I want to see things made right, and I want to see justice for the oppressed. And so part of my background in my studies, I studied peace conflict resolution, and I did an internship in Palestine and Israel doing peace mediation, and and something came alive with me in those places. I, I'm the type of person that would run into a fiery house and not away. I don't know why. I think that's just how God created me. But yeah, it's a bit of who I am. Yeah, Wendy you mentioned how you were in Palestine, and I mean, there's not peace there right now, Israel and Palestine. Not at and all. And we're going into a Christmas season where we think about Advent, and this is the week that we that we meditate on peace and what it means to to be in peace and the Prince of Peace. Uh, but that's not the reality for everybody around the world right now, is it? No, not at all. And when we expose ourselves to some of the unrest, it's easy to get overwhelmed and actually be paralyzed by it and say, you know what, there is no peace and become very pessimistic. But what I found when I was walking the streets in Palestine and there were snipers and there were there was military and there was unrest. And I saw it from all the different sides. That's why I went there. And it was at a time there were no tourists. But yet I found peace in those places. It transcends politics. It transcends different racial groups and religions. But I, I found God's peace with me in those spaces. 
But I'm also brought to the verse of like in Jeremiah, peace, peace, where there is no peace. Like we can put our heads in the sand and look for Hallmark peace, that counterfeit kind of superficial harmony. It's like that feel good, a little potpourri scent, you know, like and, and that's not accurate. When I was uh, 19, I was in Israel. I lived there for almost six months and I lived on a kibbutz up north. And my brother in the family that I was adopted into, he was in the military. So he would come home and put his machine gun under the sewing table before he came and sat at the table for dinner. And it was such a a wild experience for me. I traveled across the country by myself, by bus, to visit some people in Tel Aviv. And, you know, there's the signs on the bus saying, if there's any packages that are unattended to, please let the driver know, exit the bus, because... It could be a bomb, basically, is what it was saying. And I remember being in that space, kind of like, what am I doing? (laughs) Here I am, this young woman traveling across the country. Most people spoke English, so it wasn't that difficult. But realizing that I was in a place that wasn't at peace, there there was always this constant threat of war. But yet I had this experience with the people that I lived with on the kibbutz and just being able to be a living presence of Christ in that place. And, and knowing that they're just people. Like, you know, we often put different people groups on a pedestal, but really in the end, they are just people and God loves people. And we had the chance to go in, into Gaza. We had the chance to go into these places and just realize we are all just people. Well, I think therein lies the key, though. We, we're humanizing people. We're seeing people made in the image of God. And, you know, the only way we can be a conflict with others is when we dehumanize somebody. Mm when we think them less than me or less than the image of God, we have to go put ourselves in the place to call a, a group, like in order to like annihilate people. Mm. Like how could we, if we don't dehumanize them? Or I would also argue here in Canada, yeah, we don't have, we don't have the same conflict that we see in the news in, in the Middle East. However, I would argue that here in Canada, we have such unrest. We might not have snipers on our on our rooftops. We might not have militia uh, in at our doorstep, and we're not under curfew, under siege. We're not refugees. However, there is incredible unrest within our nation, yeah. an incredible invitation for the church to be agents of peace when we would rather retreat and have this false sense of peace, really. And just like, let's just stay with me, myself, and I so that we we don't have to be exposed to those things right here in our land. And there's an unending amount of topics right now, including the Israel-Palestine, that can divide us and, mm-hmm. and break any peace between our families, our friends, and our churches. For me, like, I've never been to a war zone like you guys have been. I'm stuck in my little North American well, bubble. Well, you did with 50 siblings. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a different war zone. <laughs> A few battles there as well. My instrument of peace growing up was not putting a machine gun under the sewing table. It was putting my guitar under under the couch because that's what Fred Penner did. Only <laughs> he put it in a cave on, on television, if you remember. For you Fred Penner fans out there, I was a big fan. So that was my little cave is putting it under the couch. But I know when I ever had unrest inside of me, and I know this is common, like this is something I believe that the Lord has done where he allows the artists to come out to bring peace. The ones that will paint, the ones that will sing, the ones that will write, it brings people together. 
that's my instrument of peace. Is, is That's your weapon of mass construction. Yes. <laughs> when I feel unrest, I will go lock myself into a room and I'll play my guitar and sing. Because that brings me peace on the inside. Oh. I was very much the same when I used to come home from university and in those early years, struggling, you know, with my faith and where I was going and questions. And I would sit at the piano and uh, my mom would always say, I know when you've had a good day and a bad day by how you play. <laughs> Interesting. I would say for myself, when I want, when I've experienced unrest and I want peace, you know what I go to? It's not an instrument generally or into my quiet room, I'm reading, I'm scouring the news, I'm, I'm reading the UN Declaration of right, Human Rights and, and, and stuff because I want to know. I want to know the, the deep-rootedness of this. I, I'm reading theology. I'm looking at the scripture. What does it say in these things? So that's sort of where I retreat to. I'm saying, like, there's got to be something here, you know. I'm going to interject there for those listening. I know you're just kind of listening to our conversation here, but what brings you peace? What have you done in those moments? Like as a podcast, it's important to have these conversations with each other. And we want to hear from you as well, because again, we want it to go beyond just listening, but going into conversation is where we're going to see transformation. So if you can connect with us, you can go to journeywithcare.ca and let us know, how do you find peace on the inside? Anyway, that's just my little side. I love it. Yeah. This is a conversation that everybody's welcome to at the table because we are all processing, we're all learning together. And that's what I get to do at my job with, with you guys and other people on the team. We're learning together, right? What does it mean to bring peace? And, and honestly, Care Impact was created in, in a sense to bring peace in some of the most conflicting situations particularly with the most vulnerable, those in child welfare. It is complex, the re reconciliation that is needed, particularly between the church and within society. There's a lot of unrest. And we can't just go peace, peace where there is no peace. There is a lot of unrest. And what I love doing with you guys and other people listening that have been supporting this ministry, you're in the trenches together. When I found out we were going to talk about peace, right away, I went to the blessing that Moses spoke over Israel called the Aaronic Blessing. And part of that is that may the Lord give you his peace and realizing it, it is something to give and that the meaning in that is nothing missing, nothing broken. It's wholeness. I know that's what we are striving for is wholeness, not just wholeness for the church to be all that she is to be, but also wholeness in our, our world, that we're all being community with one another as God designed. Yeah, like in Colossians 3, where it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This isn't just let peace rule in whatever you do. This is the peace of Christ. So when you look at Christ's example, how he walked out peace, how he walked out interactions with others, this is what's supposed to rule how we actually walk out our lives. It's more than a feeling. This should dictate how we live our lives. That's what ruling our hearts means. So when we go into conflicting situations, we don't have to feel that we have to fix the problem or have wisdom that no one else has necessarily. I feel so ordinary in conflicting situations that I'm invited into, but the peace of Christ within me comes with me. And my presence matters, not because I am that person, but Christ in me is the hope of glory, right? And his peace goes with us. 
And sometimes it's more about showing up and being bold. Peace is bold. It's not retreating. It's not going la, la, la. Yes, we do need to go into our room sometimes, and we have to have that time. Even Jesus did that. But I would love to riff with you guys three different kinds of counterfeit forms of peace that many of us will find familiar within our context. Uh, One of them would be pushing things under the rug. That is a counterfeit piece. And and what I mean by that is like we're avoiding current reality to not feel that discomfort of the situation. We're confronted with an injustice. We're confronted with oppression. We're confronted with things that we'd rather push under the rug because I'd rather raise up my hands and sing hallelujah than feel that pain that Jesus has exposed me to. Have you guys felt that or seen that? I'm sure I've lived that. (laughs) Just me personally, like just wanting to being that peacemaker or my motivated to have peace and feeling tension in the room, just like, okay, I'll do whatever it takes to make sure like we can just smoothly sail through this, (laughs) this situation and, and often to my own detriment too, or the detriment of the situation, because perhaps it is a justice issue that should be brought up and talked through. Yeah. Sometimes I get my awkwardness gets in the way of actually dealing with situations. One of the opposite things of peace to me is being ingenuine and unauthentic. It's like having your head in the sand and just, you know, we go through the motions of the Christianese language sometimes. I'm fine. I'm fine. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good all the time, all the time. And yes, he is. He is. Uh, That doesn't give us permission to ignore what's going on around us. It doesn't give us permission to close our eyes to the poverty and the injustices around us. It may not sound like that has anything to do with peace, but I really feel like if if you want to really live in peace, like you need to have that authenticity because there's a war inside of you if you're not. Yeah. And, and likewise, we could easily ignore um, some of our history with residential schools and the unmarked graves. We could easily ignore those challenging statistics and not just statistics, but people on the streets begging for for food that are, have homelessness, experiencing homelessness and addictions and, and great challenges. We could ignore some of the challenges that families are facing even now through the Christmas season, because that would be an, an interruption of our utopian Christmas experience. Sure, we can help once in a while and that feels good, but we do need to be authentic. Something that came to mind when you were speaking, Johan, was about the folks that do beg on the side of our streets. And I drive through downtown every every day, sometimes twice a day. And it's so easy to, it would be easy to pull up to a light and just look the other way and just oh, pretend you're, you know, doing something with your stereo, but actually take the time, even if you're not going to give them anything, just to look at them, acknowledge them and smile, you know, and even better is to actually roll down your window and say, how's it going? What's your name? And to humanize them again. And and the whole meaning of peace when we look at shalom is about wholeness and bringing restoration to being. And how can we bring wholeness into a situation if we can't acknowledge, if we're pushing under the rug what is, and we're we're dehumanizing the person in front of us or the people group that, that we feel uncomfortable with, or the situation, the social group that we feel uncomfortable with. We are called to be agents of peace in those places. 
how much more of a community development statement is that for the church to be part of restoration and be part of that? It's an active presence. It's more than a, a hallmark feeling. It's coming back to that Colossians verse again. It really is about what the kingdom is going to look like. His kingdom come, his will be done in, in Matthew 6. But let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's a kingdom. It's a rulership. It's how he's going to establish his kingdom and how he, he intends to move things towards when his kingdom does come. So living in peace is, it's that picture we have of heaven on earth, but it's not hiding and putting our heads in the, in the sand saying, oh, we're just going to live that way, even though that's not the way it is. Because we had good intentions, right? <laughs> how often do we hear that? And that's why we're doing what we're doing with the care portal. We want opportunities not to just talk about our position on peace, but how do we help bring people into restorative relationships? How do we connect people with people in need, like people from the church with people in the community? And how do we restore, mutually restorative? Because the church needs peace. Oh my goodness, talk to any pastor. They want peace within their congregation. Families want peace. They want peace around that gathering table. The society wants peace. We want to live in harmony with each other. We all come with that yearning for something greater that is not right now. But if we are going to put things under the rug as if they do not exist, we're actually doing a disservice to us all. The other counterfeit piece that I'd like to bring up is the keep things in the closet. Just don't talk about it. I guess it's similar to putting things under the rug. I would say pushing things under the rug is more, I'm meaning more of a current reality. Let's just like not deal with it. But keep things in the closet is to suppress or deny what has happened or that inauthenticity, that things that we just do not want to be seen for who we are. Because if we're not our perfect self, if we don't have that image that people will like, we don't want to expose it rather than bringing our authentic self and, and some of our things we're not proud of because we don't want to look bad or we don't want, we want to avoid that discomforting feeling. I know there's been times when I've sat around government tables and they were awkward moments for me. And everybody was awkward in the room. We weren't used to working together with church and government and indigenous organizations and leaders. And, and there's this, this ill will feeling towards the church. And to sit there and to hear some of those things and create space where they could tell me how it is that they feel towards the church and some of their experiences that they've had within the church and the community was not fun to hear. But I had to listen and acknowledge their experience, whether that was the whole story or not. But that is how they experienced the church. And to sit there and to say, I'm sorry. Yeah, there are skeletons in the church closet. And that's not okay. But show us what it is that you, you're needing in society. How can we show up in a, in a positive way? What are the things that are hurting you now that possibly we could work together? But so often we'd rather keep those in the closet or, or get defensive over those things. Well, yeah, if they only understood, but they did this and we get into this finger war and that just doesn't bring peace. But if the church could be in that place where they're opening those closets and saying, Holy Spirit, would you cleanse us? And, and yes, we haven't been perfect and we are sorry and own up for the things that we need to own up for. That is radical peacemaking. And people aren't always prepared for it. If you want shock value, open the closet. I think, too, it has to do with 
one acknowledging and changing ways and then coming into those spaces. It's not good enough just to say, I'm sorry, but right. to actually make peace, move into those spaces where there has been awkwardness or denial that it's even been a problem. And then to actually say, yes, and we're going to be present here in these spaces that we weren't willing to be before. Mm-hmm. To show up. Yeah. And, and the other thing about counterfeit peace that we should highlight here is preoccupied pandering, I call it. It's about kind of selling our soul to appease other people around us. And that's disingenuous as well to avoid voicing perspectives or agreeing at the expense of our, our own truth seeking and to just come as whole people that we are not avoidant of conflict, but that we come with peace and not necessarily bowing down to whatever people want of us. Sometimes that would be easier too. It's a way of conflict avoidance just saying, oh yeah, 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 whatever you say, I'll jump when you say jump. That's not seeking peace or the welfare of the city or the welfare of our nation or the welfare of the oppressed by simply pandering to what people are wanting. Because when we we pander to whatever people are expecting of us, it becomes a win-lose situation. And when we bring shalom into places, it's not like everything is rosy and good. Sometimes things don't end the way we want it to. But pursuing peace is a benefit to all. It's equitable. It, it's it's something that benefits everybody. It's not a win-lose situation, in my opinion. Well, because pandering doesn't stop that tension that you feel, right? Mm-hmm. That just increases tension. So let's discuss together what pursuing peace looks like practically. What has it looked like for you? What are some key principles that guide you in pursuing peace? I think being bold is one thing and not allowing ourselves to hide or to pander, to shut things away, being courageous to speak up when there is something that needs to be dealt with so that peace can come into a situation. Whether it's in a relationship in the home or in the community, or even things that are in the church that aren't quite right, that need to be addressed. Oh, I shake in my boots, Boldness and I think courage and obviously at the leading of the Holy Spirit to speak up in those places. I think that is so good. You know, it it brings me back to when I was training for peace mediation work in the Middle East. One of the key things that they were training us is to be the least anxious presence in a situation and actually to lead the conversation. Don't wait till the uh, whichever person that is in in high conflict or the one with the gun. Don't wait for them to start the conversation actually go there, extend a hand or whatever is appropriate and say, hi, is there something I can do? Set a peaceful tone to the conversation because psychologically even, they are more inclined to mirror that tone. You can actually set the tone in how you boldly be the first person, the first anxious person. It's not the the first person to speak over the crowd and to yell above the biggest voice. That actually adds to the conflict. But if you can be the least anxious presence and go towards that person, I've seen snipers come down and peace conversations be had because we just entered into a peaceful conversation. We could actually set the tone. It was more powerful than guns. It was amazing. (laughs) Peace is getting your hands dirty. 
along with those that are in that anxious or angry state. When I worked in the school system, I took a course called gentle teaching. So I'm an official gentle teacher. I need a few lessons. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Shoot, you're supposed to agree with that. But children in that anxious state where there's no peace on the inside, you're not supposed to come in opposing them or rather like if they're hiding under the table, shaking or screaming under the table, you're supposed to get down on your knees and go under the table with them and just sit with them. Not necessarily talking with them, but just sitting with them saying, hey, I'm, I, I know you're struggling, but I'm, I, I'm just going to be this peaceful presence beside you mm. because th- that's what they need at that moment. They don't necessarily need advice. They just need someone to, to care. They need someone to get dirty in the spot that they're at to have that empathy. Yeah, that is beautiful. I also think of looking at which battle is mine to fight in those situations or in any situation. Is it a battle to help bring calm and tranquility? Because we know from even previous episodes, we've talked about the upstairs brain, the downstairs brain. When we're operating out of that amygdala, that fight, flight, freeze, fawn, frump mode, we cannot actually reason. We cannot actually pursue peace when we're all heightened. So one, am I that calm person? Am I using the prefrontal cortex so I can reason, I can love, I can create, I can relate? so that I can bring that into the presence. Is that my battle to fight? Probably. My biggest battle is my own. What presence am I bringing into the situation? And what battle is it for mine to fight? Is it to be right or to to, uh, give a whole bunch of cognitive download and say, this is wrong and this is right, when everybody's like flapping their amygdalas? That is probably not our battle to fight. When we are in reason, when we are in our prefrontal cortex, all of us, and we can talk, and it becomes a creative dialogue, and it's not a threat. But what is my battle to fight when that child is under the table or that leader is with angst? We all have different versions of child under the table. It could Mm -hmm. be a leader. It could be a, a person in our family that is hard to get along with. But how do we level in with that person? So when we light that Advent candle of peace and we pray for the peace of the world, I think we need to add the, the part where we just ask for peace for us, that we would be peace, that we would have peace on the inside and we would bring peace to situations and those that we encounter, that the peace of Christ would rule in our hearts and in all, all those that, that we encounter, that they might encounter that peace, that man of peace, the prince of peace. So you're right, it really does start with us. We can't change how others feel, but we can bring our peace to the table. Good play on words. And one of the things that I like to encourage people with, even though realistically we all come from so many worldviews, so many positions, so many ideologies and religions and perspectives, creating peace is staying at the table. It's not going away because other people don't believe what I believe or don't think like I think. But can we stay at the table, that metaphorical table I'm talking about, of course, but can we stay in dialogue? Can we use that prefrontal cortex? Can we reason with people, but not in an argumentative way to win, to make people more like in our image? It's never our image anyway, right, that we're talking about. But can we stay at the table in conversation? Can we just be curious? Because around that table, around all that diversity, we have to believe that people are made in the image of God. 
and that people have purpose and drive and and all the good that they have because they do have good. Even your biggest enemy has something good because God created them. Can we pursue peace together even amidst our differences? Stay at the table. Can we break bread with Judas at the table? Even he had a purpose. Judas had a calling and he played a role. I I love that, Johan. Can we break bread with Judas even? Mm. Can we embrace those who we would think are unembraceable? The ones we know are going to betray us. Let's go to careimpact.ca to find out how. (laughs) Thank you for joining another conversation on Journey with Care. We're here to inspire curious Canadians on their path of faith and living life with purpose in community. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church to journey well in community. Visit our website at journeywithcare.ca to connect with Care Impact, find the latest updates on our weekly episodes, details about our upcoming events, meetups, and information about our incredible guests. You can also leave us a voice message, share your thoughts, and connect with like-minded individuals who are on their own journeys of faith and purpose. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. Together we can explore ways to journey in a good way. And always remember to stay curious. 